Hey everyone, it's Rich Bennett, host of Conversations with Rich Bennett, bringing you an exciting chance to win with our latest giveaway sponsored by Tar Heel Construction Group. Get ready to make a splash just by tuning into the podcast. Yes, you heard that right. While you're soaking up our latest episodes, listen closely for a special splash sound. When you hear it, remember the episode name. Here's what you do next. Shoot us an email at podcast at harfordcountyliving.com with the episode title. Each splash sound means a new chance to win. So the more you listen, the better your chances. If you don't have email, then just leave a voicemail from our website at conversationswithrichbennett.com. What's the prize? How about a brand new waterproof Bluetooth speaker? Perfect for listening to our episodes, whether you're in the bath, on the beach, in the pool or on the go. You have until the end of May to send in your entries and we'll announce the lucky winner on June 3rd. Don't miss out on this splashy opportunity brought to you by Tar Heel Construction Group. Dive into our episodes and win big. There are a lot of great podcasts out there. And one of the things that I've been doing is recommending a podcast at the end of each episode. So make sure you stay tuned to the very end because I guarantee you the podcast I recommend you're going to love. Years ago, I had a young lady that uh, would actually co-host with me a lot. She was the first one. She was the OG, Sarah Coleman. And I kept telling her that we needed to get her husband on. Well, needless to say, finally, years later, I finally have Chris on this episode. Sarah's not joining him, but Chris is here, finally. And you can say landscaping is in Chris's blood. His father initially started the landscape company before Chris was born, so it was no shock when Chris started working for the company while in high school and was superintendent of all crews not long after graduating. Chris spent the following years learning all aspects of the business and even working for another landscape company for a year to round out his experience and knowledge. And when his father passed away in 2013, he and Sarah knew they wanted to take over. While some rebranding was involved, their goal was to build a strong company with a focus on high-quality work and knowledgeable solutions, and Four Seasons Nursery and Landscape Services was born. Chris has a ton of certifications, and you can see them all in the show notes. The man is a freaking just a library of certifications. Yeah, He's enjoyed the opportunity to help build the family business and expand from landscape maintenance into hardscape drainage, landscape installs, and now into stormwater maintenance for residential, commercial, and government clients. The expansion brought a name change to fully encompass the services offered. Through his experience and knowledge, Four Seasons Landscape and Construction Services has developed a reputation for quality, reliability, and the ability to solve complex problems through the best practices. You're going to learn a lot on this episode. And I'm happy to finally have on here, Chris Coleman. Enjoy the conversation. Coming to you from the Freedom Federal Credit Union Studios, Harford County Living presents Conversations with Rich Bennett. Come on. You're faster than me. Guys. Oh, man, you already said it. I was going to ask her if she remembered the date. Sitting here today, joined by Joe Ayler, and we have a gentleman on that 
his wife was the original, the OG, the original co-host of the show back in 2016, I think it was. Sarah Coleman. We have Chris on who, how long have I been trying to get you on now? Since 2016. Since 2016. <laughs> he was always like, nah, man, you don't want me. Or God only knows what will happen. <laughs> I've, Chris, me- I've mellowed a little. <laughs> Chris is the owner of Four Seasons Landscape and Construction Services. I got it Co- right. Co-owner. Sarah's. Oh, co Smart man. Co-owner. Sarah is the majority owner of Four okay. Seasons. I uh, I manage day-to-day operations. Well, wait a minute. Does this mean you're also co-owner? Of- no. No? No. That is all Sarah's baby dream came out of nowhere, and she has built an amazing business. She has, you Wait, know, you got to start another business, man. We'll plug that real, plug that real quick. So Sarah, Sarah <laughs> Coleman owns Sustainable we'll Landscapes it. 1. Uh, it's a stormwater consulting design maintenance and installation firm. Uh, she also ha- is an author and has written field guides and technical guides for stormwater devices and management practices. And she also now has her own clothing line uh, for um, sustainable T-shirts, and they are on her website at sustainablelandscapes1.com. Dude, when do you see her? <laughs> on social media rich the second before she closes her eyes (laughs) when did she write i didn't know she wrote guides yeah they're on her website she's uh you haven't been paying attention to social media have you uh Uh, go ahead and follow and like her page i do well make it at a make it what is it the favorites and that one you'll see it more Uh, yes sir (laughs) (laughs) no she's been working on those for over the past year um she started the business about a year and a half ago uh, for the need that everybody is getting into the stormwater management business, mm-hmm. particularly the landscape maintenance companies. Um, and a lot of them dove into it because the property owners were getting citations and fines and inspections and whatever else. And so the businesses are trying to maintain all these stormwater devices, but they don't necessarily know exactly what they're supposed to do for all these. Right. Um, so Sarah saw that there was a need for even just preliminary understanding of what these devices are, as simple as what is a stormwater swale? What is the purpose of it? Because in order to maintain these things and these devices, you need to understand how they work. Yeah. And so she spent a year writing field guides uh, on what the devices are, or technical guide as far as what these devices are and the best way to maintenance them. Then she also added into that uh, plant ID books. So you have invasive plants, perennial plants, native plants, and trees um, that are local to the mid-Atlantic area. And she wrote those as well. So they're on the website. She has five different book guides available. So if she's doing all that with with Four Seasons, are you still doing the stormwater management? So we work together. Um, So a lot of it is Sarah going in and doing all of the design, maintenance plans, everything else. And then if she is overloaded on her end as far Mm -hmm. as being able to take care of it, she will stem some of it over to Four Seasons. Uh, We still do our stormwater side as well. Uh, but this is more niche specifically because 
I have said for years that you want to have a stormwater company handle your stormwater management. Right. Because, uh, again, we talked about the landscape companies and maintenance companies not fully understanding what they're doing and why. And if yeah. you don't understand what you're doing when it comes to an installation or maintenance of these devices, then they're not going to work properly. And you see that all over the place of stormwater areas that are completely overgrown, filled with weeds and invasives. They're not working properly. So right. then what's the point of having them there? Yeah. Well, the, com- the common person doesn't even pay attention to even where the where the storm water goes i've been out on sites where people have called me out to so a lot of the new homes after 2011 have to have some sort of infiltration mm-hmm. for their stormwater of somehow whether it be a rain garden a dry well underground cistern stuff like that you have to have that well mm-hmm. on some of the homes around the area uh they put in small rain gardens so basically they dug a pit they put in different median and stone and some plants i can't tell you on certain neighborhoods that i've been called into where they asked me how much it would be to fill them in with topsoil or fill dirt because they no longer want to deal with them what and that is a lack of understanding of the purpose i was going to say it shouldn't be that hard to take care of them should it it's just like maintaining your landscaping. It just needs – you need to understand when you start getting into the different median levels of yeah. inf- infiltration and understanding what to look for and doing different soil probes and stuff to make sure that the soil median hasn't filled with any organic material and doesn't allow it to be porous and absorb the water. Um, but outside of that, it's maintaining plant material. So how often do you go to homes to find out, you know, like with the, the drainage from the gutters – because I, I think Sarah explained this briefly. Because some people will, if the gutters are installed, they'll put the hoses or whatever and divert it to the, the wrong place. Well, so, they, so the goal is, you, you, you know, years ago when houses were built and stuff like that, they put the downspouts in the gutter on and the grading was pretty well established that the water mm-hmm. would sheet over over and away from the house right um whenever all that is designed when they design a home the stormwater plan has a area of infiltration for water so 90 percent of the time when your door when your downspout alleviates into an area it is going into a yard or something like that mm-hmm. um and that way they're calculating the infiltration of the water the problem is is that over time the settling of the ground right. near the house settles so then the water ends up doing what we call backdrafting. So it'll come out of the downspout and it'll run almost like a semicircle and go back to the foundation of the house Ugh. and then go down the, the wall of the house and come in through the basement or something like that. So everyone now should do, at the very least, an extension just to right. get it four feet out from the house. That's the, that's the general rule of thumb is to have the downspouts alleviate four feet out from the house. Okay. Um, you can take it a step further and do dry wells and uh, French drains underground to help infiltrate the water, leading to a pop-up, stuff like that. Um, there's many different options, but at the very least, you should have it four feet away from the house. Which uh, you guys did that when you did my gutters mm-hmm. in the front. Yeah, we don't get into the, the technicalities. We leave that up to the professionals. We're, we're, our responsibility on the on the guttering end is like what Chris said, just to get it, it out. Divert, yeah. get, get it, you know, get the spout, get it away from the house, and then let the irrigation and the, yeah. the storm water and the soil experts deal with anything else. Like at my house, you know, they they come underground into PVC and it's about six foot out into a pop up, you know. But that's that's you know that's the extent of you know our expertise. Yeah, you know? we're we're into installing gutter and spout, getting it away from the house, and like I said, let the let the landscape professionals deal with the rest. 
What you keep saying? You kept saying dry well. What's a dry well? So basically, that what Joe talked about, mm-hmm. um, where he had it come six feet out of the house where the pop up is. You dig a three foot by three foot cavity in the ground, hole in the ground, okay. and you lay fabric in there and you put stone in it. Oh, so that way when the water, because the way a pop up works is it only opens under velocity, so force. So when oh, that's a little cap in the ground. Yep, with the little oh, center okay. in the center. And so basically what that does is when the water comes down the downspout, it shoots down the PVC or whatever pipe mm-hmm. you're using, and then it hits a 90 and goes up, and the velocity opens up the pop-up, and that excess stormwater disperses over the area. Okay. Well, in the bottom of that, pop-up should be a little hole, like a weep hole, and that allows excess water to go down. So by doing the dry well at the bottom of that, it infiltrates more water instead of just alleviating it out in the yard. It's all about infiltration of water. So that's huh. that's the point of the stormwater management is that all of our creeks, <clears throat> excuse me, creeks, lakes, and, you know, rivers, everything mm-hmm. else are very low. Well, a lot of that is because we have so much impervious surface, roofs, driveways, sidewalks, mm-hmm. all that other stuff, that are not infiltrating any water. And then you add on to that, people are taking their stormwater and running it out to the street. We don't want to do that. We want to put it into the ground because if we don't put the groundwater back into the ground and we're not recouping it into the ground, so especially wells and stuff like that. Does it get all the way down to the Mm – so eventually when it it rains, it infiltrates (laughs) into the ground, and over time it works its way down hundreds of feet eventually to a cavity where we we tap and and get our well water. Correct. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wow. It, it takes forever. Like, we may yeah. not see it, but our next generation yeah. will. And that's right. that's the whole purpose of all this and the purpose of, you know, the push for the stormwater management and the water infiltration, you know, and stuff like that is to be able to have water. I mean, we see it out, what is it, Arizona, stuff like that out yeah. in the West. I mean, there is no water. They're very concerned about the farms and everything out there because wow. of the low. And, you know, a lot of that, they've been watering their plant material forever. I mean, you think about 20 years ago, they started the big push of taking out the lawns and doing what they call exerscape, which is your stone and your more sunny desert plant material because it doesn't require water. Um, And they were giving rebates and stuff like that for people that were ripping out their lawns because the amount of water that is needed to irrigate a lawn in 100-degree dry heat is a lot. And so that's why there's such a push on trying to infiltrate the water. And there's a lot of other initiatives. I mean, you have the the environmental side as far as, you know, and I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of electric vehicles and all those stuff, but that's the point of all this. It's multifaceted, and there's so many different points and things that can be done. We can't just focus on one. We need to focus on all points of it to be able to better the environment for our kids and their kids and so forth and so on. What about the rain barrels? So they hook up onto the downspout, and the purpose of those is, again, to reclaim the stormwater. Okay. Um, They're great if you're actively using them Um, because, again, you're having water sit in a barrel. Right. So you want to actively use that water to water your plants, water your garden, stuff like that. Uh, They work really well if you are actively using them. Uh, If you're not and you leave them sit for months – the water gets stagnant, stuff like that. Tracks mosquitoes. You got to clean it out. Yeah, and all skeeters. Skeeters. <laughs> yeah. Stuff wow. like that. Wow, okay. So yeah, there's people, a lot of- Yeah, the, the people, like, uh, we, we get so used, it ties into what we were talking about earlier, you get so used to 
how we live that we often forget about like when we flush the toilet like my, like plumbing it's like they just flush it and nobody gives a shit where it goes right you know it rains and it goes out into your yard and you don't think about you know hey it's raining it's coming off my house it's going into the gutter to the downspout into the yard fil- naturally filtrating hundreds of feet down into a well and 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 I'm drinking it or bathing mm-hmm. in it or washing or brushing my teeth in it people just don't um People just don't think about that stuff for some reason. Well, I don't. You look it's at definitely a lot of these, interesting. Because a lot of these homes around here, the the sewage pipes coming out of the house are the old, was it terracotta? You're taking it way back, but yes. Yeah, well, that's what it is here in Joppa Town. But a lot of that stuff is breaking apart. So all that water's just, all, ew, God. Well, a lot of people don't realize that, like, that you know, there's a difference, especially in Hartford County, between like public water and sewer, and then well and septic. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. It's Big complete, difference. you know, completely different. But I think just a lot of people just flush the toilet and just. And that's and that's what Sarah that's what Sarah saw is about education. I mean, yeah. that's where it all came about. Literally, exactly what you're saying. We ran into for the last twenty years, but specifically the last ten of people not understanding what stormwater is and what water infiltration is and what the cause and effects are. Yeah. Uh, you know, for years, you know, people with water issues were just, oh, just dump it on the street. Just get it out and dump it on the street. That went on for decades. Mm-hmm. And the little, you know, storm drains that say feed Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. It legitimately feeds the Chesapeake Bay. They don't just stamp it on there for the fun time. Um but we lose all that water. We don't reclaim it. And so being able to help educate people and help them to understand that a little bit of each of us, and I'm not trying to sound like a tree hugger, but a little bit of us helping a little bit each way and having these devices working properly and doing little things around your home, if everybody does it, it can really help. Make a big difference. Big difference. Huge difference. So explain what a rain garden is, because when Sarah was on the last time, she mentioned it. I thought it was the coolest-ass thing. It's like... But I still don't have a clue what a rain garden is. <laughs> so basically, you ever heard of a rain garden, Joe? Mm-hmm. You have? Oh, shut up. That's <laughs> because he's talked to me about it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, basically, what a rain garden is, it is an area in your property generally that is a depression that is holding water. So if you have a saturated area in your yard, mm-hmm. uh, or you have the grade or the slope that the water sheets to, and you want to collect that and let it infiltrate into the ground, or you want to run your downspouts to this area. It's basically a depression, and it's calculated by volume on the average storm season throughout the year, and, you know, each storm, you know, mass storm, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, 10 inches or whatever. And then basically you excavate that out for the volume that is determined by an engineer on how much volume it needs to hold, depending on how much impervious surfaces you're running or grade of the lawn is running or stuff like that. Right. You dig it out, and then you put in different medians. So you'll start out with fabric. You'll start out with, uh, you have, uh, it's SHA, loamy soil is what it is, um, and it's a certain soil mix that goes in there for the amount of infiltration of water. And then you do stone on top of that, and then you do plant material. So each layer has its own purpose okay. and infiltration percentage ability. So obviously going through the stone is very quick, but going through the soil median is slower to help seep the water in and not have it just flush out, and then it goes down into the ground. Depending on how it's set up, you may also have a drain pipe that's down, way down in there, so that way if the soil is very clay and it won't take a lot, 
or it takes an exuberant amount of time to infiltrate, you have the ability for the water to escape from there if need be. But every layer and every part of the rain garden is used to suck up and infiltrate water. So Now, what kind of plants do you put in there? Water-loving plants. Water-loving plants. <laughs> but no maple trees. No maple trees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's and the, if it's the one species of tree that you know. God. well no because they seek water mm-hmm. and they will bust through your pipes i've i've seen that happen too much uh matter of fact my, my one neighbor we were talking about this the other day because they've been having water come into their downstairs and i explained to them i said they've had three pools in that yard the, the previous owners two above ground one in ground all the pools would always collapse. They could never finish construction of them. And I, I have no idea what it was. I told them, I said, you might want to, I don't know if there's an underwater spring there. That or would be it, my bet is that they have an underground spring or they have a uh, drainage run, you know, yeah. waterway underneath that's eroding that. Um, that would lead to that ground not being stabilized. And then the, I'm guessing they didn't do any type of uh, soil engineering as far as seeing what was down there and what the soil previous makeup. owners probably not it, right so yeah. if they were having this this was the third pool after the second one i would have been doing a little research and trying to see yeah. what the issue was um and there's plenty of engineering firms and stuff like that that'll take drill rigs in there and drill down and actually yeah. tell you what they're finding and, and tell you what's going on and there are ways that you can deal with that you yeah. can stabilize that water you know the ground and stuff like that to still allow the water to flow but not undermine the pool or you may have to move the pool a certain degree yeah. either way well i know they thank god they don't have a pool there now but i just saw a company over there apparently they have to lift the slab and that's the same thing i meant i think i may have told you before because my sister's house had the same problem she was getting water coming in and come to find out it was an underwater spring mm-hmm. had to rip everything out of the house baseboard flooring and everything and they had to raise Check up the, the slab yeah but that's interesting to think that <clears throat> and when, insurance didn't cover it <laughs> when water um storm water goes onto an impervious surface if, if it isn't directed or encouraged to go to a healthy yeah. area and like in my like like we have like we're in our office like and Chris has come out and take a look at it and I'm I'm due to have him uh, uh, come out and do that work but that we've got a little area where the water shoots through two buildings and it dumps onto um, you know a parking lot an impervious surface and then the sun comes out and then it evaporates and that it's lost forever you don't yeah. get that. Well, not that, but then come winter, it's going to be an yeah, yeah, ice skating yeah, rink. Sure. I mean, that but becomes that water, this... but like it, it never gets back into the ground to to um you know encourage health you know in our soils and stuff like that and people just don't think about stuff like that so water will always it's two parts water will always take the path of least resistance so as far as your sister's house or friend's house the water wants to go where it wants to go and up until it's easier for it to go to the basement area than it is to go anywhere else Mm -hmm. uh but as far as on your side joe ultimately what our mission is and and sarah's particularly in the stormwater side is to help navigate the best possible conditions to not only start with structural integrity so ultimately first and foremost it's the structural integrity of your home your business Mm -hmm. stuff like that in doing that 
we want to have best practices on what we do with the water. Because anybody, like your example, Joe, on the side of your house, anybody could go and buy 50 or 100 feet of polypropylene pipe, you know, corrugated pipe, slap it on the end of the downspout and run it to the back of your property and flood out the fenced-in area behind it. Right. It's away from your building. Yeah, it's away yeah. from your parking lot. Yeah. But it's not <laughs> the best practice yeah, right. to what to do with that water. Right. And so that's what a stormwater consulting firm that Sarah has helps bring to the table is the knowledge that this can be done, but it can also be done a little better. Yeah. And that was her pa or is her not what is her passion in or was her passion to start it and is currently her passion to running it every day is that sure, there are many, many options that you can do in stormwater management. But you can also do them a little better to right. help for the future and help what is being done for the environment and the infiltration of the water and stuff like that. Technically every place should have something in place for it, right? Yes. Every so Again, 2011 stormwater mm -hmm. guidelines says that all water, all water coming off of a property needs to be infiltrated in some way, whether it's just through the lawn, whether it's through a rain garden, whether it's through whatever, a certain, mm -hmm. if not all of it, a certain percentage of it does. Because an example, roofs, a coefficient for roofs is 97% runoff. So you're only evaporating and absorbing 3% of the water that's coming off of a roof. The same for concrete. And they're anticipating that's because of the sun yeah. and the initial saturation. Because once roof gets wet, concrete gets wet, it doesn't in infiltrate or absorb any more water. So you're losing 97% of, of the water that is coming down in rainwater and going right off. Huh. So anywhere else that you have runoff, downspouts, stuff like that, and you have any other ways to help capture and infiltrate that water is what best practices are for stormwater. So it's best to get rid of the concrete driveways and go old school? That is never going to happen. Hey, I wouldn't mind doing it. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. In West Virginia, yeah. <laughs> West Virginia, yeah. No, because we obviously have to understand society and yeah. the ease of life and, and stuff like that. And you have people that, you know, can't maneuver on on gravel and yeah, stuff like that so yeah. you have to think about that side of it so it's not about inconveniencing it's about doing little things to help so okay if you have a long concrete driveway or asphalt driveway mm -hmm. or a massive roof or something like that can you put great drains in at the end of the driveway so the little four inch drains that help collect and infiltrate most of the water and then run it out to a rain garden can you collect the downspouts and run them in, you know, infiltration pipe and run them to a rain garden or out yeah. into the yard? So there's a lot of little things that can be done to help have less runoff without inconveniencing your life. Yeah, and it makes it makes sense for sure, but it's a damn shame that being climate or environmentally conscious has been politicized over the last you know, a couple of years now it's like, I don't know. It's like some part of me feels like somebody might like feel embarrassed or like, you know, hesitant to be like, you know, environmentally conscious because they don't want, you know, that political tag on them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, look like, you know, obviously we're, we're in roofing and, and we're exploring, um, you know, an onboarding solar right now. And, and, and we were thinking, you know, me and my team were thinking like, look, like, the solar component and the roofing component are, are going to be one, you know, mm -hmm. we, th this world is going to rely on clean energy. It's just, that's just the way it is, man. Like, but then it's like so heavily, 
politicized now with oil and coal versus clean energy and, and, and all this stuff. And it's like these huge industries that have like, you know, global influence, you know, it's an economic thing. It's a, a global economic thing. And it's like, it's what we've known for the past 200 years, 300 right. years, you know, with the industrial revolution, fossil fuels, coal, all that stuff. And then now as things change, um, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to change as a society with it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you don't think that we're going to be using wind, water, sun, you know what I'm saying? To, to live and power our lives, you know, especially as the global population exceeds 8 billion, you know, the, how are we going to feed ourselves, you know, energize the world, you know what I'm saying? And then you start to kind of go down that rabbit hole when it's like, but to my point, it's, it's a damn shame that it's been, that's it's taking so long. Well, that's taking so long one, but, but then it also that it's, it's become a political thing too. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, if you, if you care about the environment, then you must be, you know, you must be a Democrat. You must be a tree hugging Democrat liberal. Right. If you care, for, you know what I'm saying? I mean, am I, you know, and it's like, Oh, well, if you're for, you know, gas and coal and, and you're for, you know, then you, there's no, but you got those ground. tags, you know, unfortunately that have been, but I'm sure that's a, that's a challenge. Well, it is. And so a couple points to that one human nature, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go down human nature. Human nature hates change. So anything that we try to do to better the world you're always going to have one side that is completely against and Mm -hmm. one side that is completely for so it seems like this drastic change i think there needs to be a balance oh absolutely but we also need to stop having this not necessarily fear put out there but but also the understanding that we're not going to cancel all gasoline and diesel engines and we're not going to get rid of petroleum based running equipment anytime in the near future Mm -hmm. it goes back to the little bit at a time obviously electric vehicles is challenging when it comes to the larger trucks and the commercial side and the equipment side Mm -hmm. but for the general population to have an electric car to run to and from their job it works perfectly Right. We also have grid issues as far as being able to supply power across the country and stuff like that. So there's a lot of steps. And as society, we need to be more, we should be more open to hearing what is being said and understanding what is being proposed. I think some people out there are afraid to be educated. In all honesty. Well, we went down that rabbit hole before we started about that. But yes, and and that's the thing is that we we as human nature tend or as humans tend to be close-minded to things and to be uncomfortable we don't like to be uncomfortable prime example i've never done a podcast i was uncomfortable in coming here but i'm here because we need to make ourselves uncomfortable to understand and adapt to change and it leads back to again the little bit helps little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't become a political game, as Joe said. It shouldn't be used to stand on a platform exactly, and say this candidate or this person or that person is bad because they don't support this bill to, you know, do this or that or whatever. And then the other candidate's like, well, I'm not going to do that because you're going to take away all diesel engines yeah. and, and all this other stuff. And it, it becomes a, a back and forth one against the other. And I really hope in the future that we are able to 
come together and really understand what is being proposed and have a conscious and well-educated discussion about what we're trying to do and why. Oh, yeah. And for people to listen. Yeah. Yeah, and this uh in the <laughs> what I call the, the the microwave, you know, society, the the instant gratification um you, you want it you want it now and you know that's why i i admire you know the the visionaries you know somebody that can understand that delayed gratification you know whether it's growing a business that you know they say you know live a couple years like most won't to live a life that most you know so you, you gotta eat shit for you know whatever mm-hmm. you have to educate yourself whatever eat shit for a couple years learn you know in order to help future generations and i think that that's um i don't know if that can be learned or or what but to but to suffer or change now for the betterment of your your progeny or you know your your mm-hmm. future generations um I don't, I don't know about that. That's, I, that could be a tough one to... People don't like to be uncomfortable. So yeah. that's the whole thing. Yeah. So people don't like to be uncomfortable, so they don't want to change. Their life is built how they want it. They want it to be comfortable, and, you know, they don't want change. I think what it is, because... Now, keep in mind, I'm older than you guys, and Joe, don't say a lot older. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I've seen a lot of changes, you know, through my lifetime. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just and, in the past hundred years is incredible. <laughs> smart ass but with the god man but with especially with the environment i mean i remember back in school we had the old thing uh give a hoot don't pollute you know because you would see trash on the ground everywhere and you see more people picking it up pick you know and all that but you're um as far as the water issue goes i think slowly but surely that's starting to get better it should have gotten a lot better back years ago um we still have a problem like with the construction and all when it pours down rain all the runoff going into the river i don't know if that can ever be fixed i'm that, sure that is part of a stormwater design plan as far as the site plan yeah uh that should have been addressed when they did the before uh, they started tearing down trees before you you do the clearing and and yeah. doing uh you can do temporary sediment control mm-hmm. and that should have been factored in for the amount of rain that we've been getting the average rainstorm and then also doing uh temporary vegetation yeah uh, you can get ryegrass to grow in a few weeks and that would have helped yeah when you drive by a construction site you know or you know a, a large site yeah and you look over and it looks like they're a bunch of big trucks like you know playing in the dirt i mean there's actually an engineered you know, there, there's a plan there, you know, where it's supposed to be a plan. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is. There's a plan. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're laying, it's a civil, yeah. a, a civically, I don't even know if that's a word, but a, a civil engineer, now said it. <laughs> a civil, a civil, a civil engineering plan to, to, you know, to, to get that water away. Yeah. I and mean, I think when people move into these houses and they, they, the roads are all laid out and elevated a certain way for a reason. And, uh, and, you know, I just think that, I, I love the education piece on that. People just need to be educated on it. It doesn't need to be jammed down people's throats, but I think, you know, when you move into a neighborhood, you know, understand that, you yeah. know, the, the, um, what do you call it? The crates, you know, the, uh, 
storm drains yeah, and all. The storm, they're, they're, yeah, the storm drains are there, and, and everything is laid out for a reason. Yeah. Well, I think every person that buys a home should get in their book a actual design plan and neighborhood site plan. Oh, I like that. With a summary of the understanding and a progression of what is being done because again it's education yeah. so yeah. if they don't understand you know you complained about the construction up the road <laughs> have you looked at their stormwater runoff plan construction site plan have you looked at any of that to see how it was designed did you talk to the engineer did you oh they came to a meeting no uh, yeah and everybody was questioning it big time and what did they say they said everything was fine well, was it during the eight-inch storm that they probably did not account for? No. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of yeah. different there's a lot of different things, and the silt fence and stuff could have yeah. been eroded away, and they either didn't notice or the inspector didn't see it. There's there's a lot of checks and balances in construction, yeah. and a lot of people are very quick to be upset about things. And if it goes unresolved, if you bring it to the mm-hmm. the county's attention and the construction company's attention and it's not resolved and not mitigated in some way, yeah. then of course, you know, I, there is more understanding of frustration. But a lot of people get frustrated before ever understanding, like Joe said, what is the storm drain? What is the purpose of this? Why are the roads elevated mm-hmm. this way and that way without understanding the purpose of it and then they're screaming because there's water running down the curb line going into a storm drain yeah. or well, it's one of those processes that you don't think about until well, until it's happening you know until yeah. you've got water in your basement or until your front yard is flooded you know because it only rains well the, and that's some of the time. that storm we got there was flooding everywhere i've never seen it like that it was nuts what's the one like when the when the hurricane came a month ago no, it, was, it wasn't even a hurricane, was it? Or whatever. It, it, it was, was the remnants of the tropical I mean, It was, it was a like, tropical storm. It was inches mm. and inches of rain. It yeah. rained for like five days. Well, I we've had that we more had. often. If you notice, we've had well, that more often. Too, yeah. So that is something that the engineers and everybody are trying to look at is that yeah. we no longer get a one or one and a half inch storm. We're getting three, four, five, six inch storms every few months. And they're overflowing the rivers, eroding the banks. That's why there's a big push now for the uh, riparian buffers. Mm-hmm. So along the stream banks, planting trees and plant material to help keep that from eroding yeah. and having the you know the plant material and stuff like that along those areas to try to help stabilize yeah. them for these heavy storms. Yeah, because I live on Deer Creek, and when it rains, like especially that that bad one, I mean that's that river, the creek. I mean it gets it gets high. Yeah, and it you don't really realize like because I, I walk it, I walk down the creek a lot with my dog and stuff, and and. I mean, it's crazy, <laughs> like how how far it goes. Need up a on boat that. to get back home. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of and I, and I and, and it's interesting because we had during that big rain, we had just finished up like a giant commercial roof, and we were stressing so hard because we knew that the we knew it was coming. We finished just in time, but I mean, just the people don't. I, I don't think they appreciate like how much like actual the volume of water falls like in like a an event like that. Mm-hmm. It's like. I'd be curious to see, like, you know, like how much. Like, it's it's hey, just an I look insane amount way. of water falling. Thank God it wasn't snow. Um, hey, uh, hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, sorry. You would have loved that because you would have been plowing. Yeah, I would have been making a lot of money. <laughs> you want... wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> We'd still be digging you out, man. You would have uh, been down Cancun early. <laughs> 
I'll take another Blizzard. <laughs> oh, I've been dying. Yeah, I wouldn't. One. I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, I think we're gonna get a lot of snow this we winter. Yeah, it's been a while since we've got hit. I am dying for one to where everybody in my court has to get out and dig, and I just I just want to bring the grills out. And I'll grill for everybody. That was 2016. You had 24 inches and 28. I couldn't get into the backyard to get the damn grills out. Well, I love when every every year. You just every, asked for it, and you already had I it. Know. Every single year, because we're, we're a seasonal business, and every, every single year, the Farmer's Almanac always says it's going to be the worst winter. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. But it doesn't necessarily and mean every, snow. Every single year, it's always the Farmer's Almanac. It's like, who, who like... Who the, who are the people that write the farmers? Apparently, they need to hire new farmers for that. Because right? their asses have been wrong for like the past, like whatever. It's like, oh, it's going to be the snowiest, you know. Now the, the the La Nina thing, the Nino thing, you know, they did say that it was going to be warmer last year, and it was. Um, but there's always somebody out there talking about the farmers' almanac, you know, and all. That. We talked about clickbait. It's already come out a week ago. You had all the weather personalities and you know a certain news station had five of their weather pers- uh, persons on there and they had all picked a date on when it was going to have our first snow and if it was going it was going to be over or under uh what we were going to have and what they decided and then you have other meteorologists and stuff like that that are doing snow predictions that are you know all over the place and tri-state area you know averages and what it's it's a whole thing because people feed off of it and then and further Vegas more, is further more the boat, man. they need to start furthermore it, it can influence uh like it, industries Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and economies like if 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 all the you know if all the weather personalities from New York to Charlotte tell everybody that it's going to be one of the worst you know what do you think that's going to be for companies be, like Caterpillar and and uh, you know some, Cargill Salt yeah. keep going keep so, going yeah. it's a, it's the salt so you know they're predicting you know the Farmers Almanac and some other weather persons are predicting that this is going to be a bad year for snow it's going to be a little warmer mm-hmm. but then we're going to have a couple big storms similar they're referencing 2016. Because uh, we pay attention to it, because obviously Four Seasons, since we sat here and talked about <laughs> SLO for however long, uh, but with Four Seasons, we do large snow removal for uh, a municipality city in the in the Maryland area. Mm-hmm. And so they have to factor in what their budget's going to be, what kind of salt material, or how much salt they're going to need in all these salt dumps, and then how much they're going to have on reserves, because a lot of times they'll buy it. And I forget who owns the port now. It's I don't think it's Harvey anymore. Um, but anyway, that they'll buy salt and keep it down at the port at the location when it's brought in by the trains, and they own that pile. Huh. And so they'll be able to own and reserve 200,000 tons of salt. And that's what they're pulling off of. Well, if they use all that, which has happened, right? they can't get it. And so then they're shipping it from New York or wherever to try to get salt in. So it, it, you're right. It influences all the industries. And I also feel that every fall they pump up the snow expectations mm-hmm. because it drives more purchasing and the equipment and the trucks and the machines and the salt and the bag salt and the snow shovels. And and, the, and a lot of those property management companies, business owners and, and – uh, 
facilities people that that's a hard check for them they hate writing that check because i know (laughs) and they they, do they they hate writing that check for snow removal well and what they try to do is a lot of times what's been changed over it's a push by an inch push by the inch price so you take the square footage of the entire area and you figure out the square footage cost to, to push an inch of snow so if you were to come in and plow your facility some companies will do okay you have you know, however many square feet and per inch storm is going to be this much. And then as you increase the inches, it will increase your price because it obviously takes more time to move six inches of snow than it does two. Uh, So a lot of places are doing that and then doing the average total over a season. And that's what you pay for that season. So they'll do a five-year average uh, for what the average snowfall was so Mm -hmm. our average i think in maryland is like 20 or 23 inches well what did we actually get over the last five years obviously the blizzard's not included in that right and that's how they figure out what the average snowfall is and then that's they'll fluff it a little bit yeah uh and then that's what they'll do as a seasonal contract i was never a huge fan of that because you have to have a whole lot of clauses in there because if you get a blizzard you get this you get that from a contractor side but then also on the management company they don't get any money back if they don't get any snow ah so it it, it, i don't like that system and that's just my opinion uh we still do everything by the hour uh as far as plowing salt we can give a flat price on salting because it's all material usage and uh you know a, a layer of salt will each eat up to an inch of snow uh, with a, so if you do pre-salting and stuff like that, it'll eat up to an inch of snow. And then the other new way of doing things is also the brine. The brine, brine is yeah. starting to build a little bit. Uh, the problem is in that in the mid-Atlantic area, we're getting ice and rain yeah. before snow. So the brine's getting washed off. So most of it is ending up. How's that like transported though? In big tanks. Like big, uh, like the like a water, tank water tanks. Yeah. They have full setups. Like So the, you think about the lawn... Uh, fertilization companies and stuff yeah, those yeah, huge yeah, yeah. 500,000 gallon tanks on the back it of the truck it seems like just bag salt would just be an easier so then you get into the environmental factor yeah, so now we go down that. that rabbit hole of the environmental factor so the reason the brine came out was because the salt was just running off into, into, the, bay. into the bay and was increasing the salt cal- you know sodium messing and, up cars yeah cars and everything <laughs> else but the problem is the brine is still not being effective because yes it's landing on the asphalt and stuff mm-hmm. and it's technically trying to make a layer but if you get any kind of liquid moisture outside of snow it washes it off Hmm. so it's very challenging it's like years ago like a hundred years ago if it snowed or iced and you You stayed home you just slipped (laughs) on that shit until it until it (laughs) melted well and then now it's like in this hustle bustle in this in this economy in this time you know in in human you know existence you know it's like we, we can't the, the, the america you know these economies need to be firing 365 24 7 and if it snows then we need that shit melted right away you know but is it fucking up the environment well then well so there's many things so you have more people because you talked about how many people in the increase in population so you have that you have it, we never sleep anymore everything right. amazon all the other stuff we never sleep so people again always moving always evolving always making money business never sleeps people so forth. with their packages on time it, yeah. it's not even that it's just it never sleeps people yeah. you have different shifts you have stuff stuff like that well then you throw in the other part of that is that the liability so liability has become a huge issue as far as slip and falls and mm-hmm. accidents and stuff like that uh 
you know, years ago, and they still do it up in PA, is sand. So they'll put down sand down instead of putting down salt. So they don't use salt. They use I sand. Heard it. The problem with that is, is it's fine for up there because they don't have as many waterways. The issue here uh, we have is that everything leads to the Chesapeake Bay. Right. And we end up filling our uh, storm drains and piping and everything else because, again, you get the rain. So up in PA, New York, stuff like that, it stays colder longer. So you put the sand down, it has time to kind of mitigate and go, right. into, the, go into the ground. Or, you know, they don't lead to the waterways as easily as it does in Maryland. Huh. So Maryland, Virginia, and Delaware all have a real challenge when it comes to snow removal and ice management and there's supposed not symposiums there's conferences and stuff like that that are continuously trying to discuss these topics and try to figure it out because i think there needs to be a balance we can't just all go to brine we can't Mm -hmm. all go to salt i think certain areas need to use certain things the one city that we plow for uh that we put on our trucks with four seasons it's all salt they'll do a little brine on some of the highways and stuff but most of everything is all salt because Again, we get the rain in the beginning. So it's almost storm-specific on yeah. what you can use, and that's really hard to manage when you have three, four, five hundred yeah. pieces of equipment mm. to try to logistically coordinate, and that's what people don't realize. They're very quick to, oh, the road's icy. It's slippery. Why is it? Well, here's the thought. Stay home. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You, most people, in theory, can do their job from home now because of COVID. Yeah. Things have been adapted. Now, there are emergency personnel and stuff like that, but you know, and healthcare workers and all that. And, and they need to get be able to get, and you need to be able to traverse. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also don't need to traverse at the posted speed limit. When we were growing up, and Joe and I specifically, the, we were still going to school when there was still snow on the ground. Like, we were not called out of school just because we had a one or two inch yeah. storm. Or before, the, yeah. Or if there he was, was walking. I was going to say, was, he was, was walking uphill. I was waiting for it. I was, walking yeah, uphill both ways in your bare even, feet. If there's even snow in the forecast, are already canceling. Well, Those again. old hobbit feet he's got. <laughs> well, then it becomes a liability, right? Yeah. So then if your school bus slides, God forbid, or something like that, or there's an accident, we're immediately. Uh, the liabilities. The liabilities is huge. Yeah, especially in, in the, with, the, with the Sioux, the law, lawsuit happy 80s and 90s where yep. everybody wants to sue somebody mm-hmm. for and it's just like you know what if you didn't want to come to my grocery store and, and then don't come <laughs> well and that's the other thing is that it wait till it melts you don't have to now yeah. you don't have yeah. to now you can literally get your groceries delivered you can with all the different delivery companies so there are options yeah, put, the, put them people at risk I'm well here. no but that's that's what <laughs> no, they're I know doing. What you're saying you know that. that's what they're doing and yeah, there delivery are, drivers are suing the the, the door dad and, and, <laughs> but you know but then you come into again because of the uh accessibility yeah so you have to now and not now but we should always have it accessible for anybody that has trouble walking or you know needs assistance in any way Mm -hmm. but that means now we need to have wet payment in order for those you know in order for people to traverse with limited to no yeah issue you need to have wet payment so that's what the whole thing is well if we have to have wet payment then we have to use all these different materials and stuff and and put down rounds and rounds of salt to be able to handle that Mm -hmm. i don't know what the answer is but i know that the direction we're going and using all of these corrosive materials and having this major runoff and stuff like that we need to figure out a better way and whether it's helping people to get their groceries, Mm -hmm. doing more of the app services that deliver and maybe having the cities and businesses give a discount 
for having your groceries delivered. That's a good idea. So they don't have to pay as much. But again, it starts with the legal system because as yeah. long as everybody's being able to sue because they decided to wear high heels through the grocery store parking lot with ice and snow on the ground, they are starting that. There are in Ohio, I think it's Ohio and, and Michigan maybe. Uh, I was reading one of the, the snow magazines. I believe they are starting to pass laws that – there is an understanding of assumed responsibility when you go out in inclement weather. Good. So they are starting, so I think it's Snow and Ice magazine that I was reading. They're really big in, uh, and I don't know if I can use, say them or not, but they're one of the magazines that, that I read in the snow industry, and they right. have huge conferences and stuff like that, and they do articles and they talk about this because, again, the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s opened everything up for whatever, the ambulance chasers yeah. and all the other stuff that we grew up with. And so... They are starting, legislation is starting to try to mitigate and lessen the amount of false claims. Look, if you honestly have, and that's the challenge, right? So if you honestly have an issue and it was neglect on the business's part, Mm -hmm. then you should still have the ability to seek uh, financial restitution, stuff like that. But you also want to try to mitigate the intentional or non-responsible slip and falls and stuff like that where people are not responsible and understanding the choices that they're making when you go I mean I remember when I was a kid we would take so I went to school out in Moncton and I would have my snow boots and I would put my school shoes in my bag Mm -hmm. so walking to and from the car even though I was driven to school and got out on the street right at the sidewalk I still my parents still put me in snowshoes and then I put on my school shoes when I got in the door. And I remember my parents doing the same thing, having a change of shoes in the car and stuff like that when my mom worked in Towson. My mom worked in Towson. She would wear her, you know, snowshoes and stuff out, drive me to Mm -hmm. school, go to Towson, go to work, put on her, you know, she was office and management, so she had to put on her heels and stuff like that. I think there becomes a responsibility from a people's side as well. Yeah, for sure. But it's a very hard thing to balance and figure out. I'll give it 10 more years, and we'll have drones delivering everything to us. So. 10 more years. Uh-huh. <laughs> Two more 10 years. more years. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't one of the biggest companies already doing that in some of the larger cities? They're delayed so, over. Yeah. yeah, so they're already. I don't think you're going to get 10. I think you're going to get a few years. But they need to figure out how to maneuver and handle that because otherwise you're just going to have crashing drones everywhere. So yeah. there needs to be, again, understanding and legislation and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's why you can only, I don't know what the height ceiling is. What is it, 180 feet or something up for a drone or something like that? Because you can't well, go any yeah, higher. Yeah, it was two, or I think it's 400, um, what is it, 400 feet? I think it's four, oh, certain. I think it changes in different airspace and different municipalities and stuff like that. But maybe it is two and 400. I, I know you can't go. You got to get licensed and all, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, then you have to consider that because then you get into FFA airspace right. and stuff like yeah. that. But then you got to be careful of hospitals and helicopters and everything else, medical units military coming in. Military bases. Military bases. Whole, so, again, yeah. there's so much yeah, parts of that, that. And that's that's the hard part of why it's so challenging to get things changed or evolved is because just here in this conversation for a half hour, we've listed out however many logistical challenges and everything and that's what people don't realize is that how much is involved in deciding how to propose new plans because you obviously don't want to just throw out there oh we're gonna do whatever and we're we're never gonna drive we're just gonna have drones do everything 
well, how do we do that? And so you have to start doing studies and research and everything else. Well, and that's the one thing if, with Four Seasons. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because when you go out. Oh, we're going to talk about Four Seasons? I thought, guys, I, thought this was, I thought this was the SLO show. Well, I, mean, I thought you guys did all that still, too. What? The, the, the stormwater management stuff. and Because when you go out, if you're going to do a landscape, right? Mm-hmm. You still take that into effect, don't you? We do. And I was just, it was fun. I know, you just wanted to give me a hard time. But are you guys, I mean, you guys. You're jumping on the Joe Ayler bandwagon. <laughs> Look, are we, we going to talk about Tar Heel at all? But you guys, I mean, the the residential and commercial landscaping, is that, that but that's your main. That is our main focus. Yeah. So Four Seasons Landscape and Construction Services is a full design, install, and maintenance landscape company to include construction services. So we also do concrete, hardscaping, patios, pavers, retaining walls, stuff like that. Uh, Sarah owned a previous company, as you know, and had done uh, some more contracting. And so we also do additions and stuff like that. Uh, We've tied in with a bunch of local contractors to help us with that. Uh, Obviously, our siding windows doors and roofing is tar heel uh, <laughs> use tar heel for all those services shameless plug yeah uh and now solar and, and yes and solar i am interested in that that is a genius i, I love i saw your article I, or your post i do like that i want to see more about that and hear more about that because that is, that interests me uh but anyway as far as four seasons one thing that we really try to do is we try to promote full maintenance contracts packages so Mm -hmm. basically what we have found is in our niche what works for us outside of the stormwater snow wall that is is our main focus is for maintenance contracts so whether it be stormwater devices or just your landscaping and mowing around your house i come out i meet with you we walk your entire property and i will give you a yearly price to maintain your property for 10 months out of the year so that takes care of all your lawn maintenance your landscape maintenance, so your two trimmings and your spring cleanup, then your two spring or your two trimmings for uh, what is it like mid-April and then again in early June, uh, spring mulching if you'd like that or fall mulching and then your fall cleanup, and then we come out to your property every month and we maintain your landscape beds. So once a month we'll come out and we'll pull weeds, we'll do any touch-up trimming if necessary, we're mowing your grass weekly so the guys are there every week as well, and then you get one price, and that's divided up over 10 months, and you pay that price or that payment over 10 months for your contract. And that's what we really promote. And it works the same for stormwater maintenance devices as well. Uh, Some of the different county and municipalities, we have them on three-year contracts. So we go in every month and we maintain these stormwater devices so they're working properly. They pay a monthly payment every month for the price of the maintenance over 10 months. And that's really worked well for us for scheduling and budgeting and stuff like that, as well as our clients to be able to budget because everything nowadays seems to be based on monthly payments so you know the price of cars and houses and everything is is you know we have to do six and eight year loans for vehicles Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and you know so we wanted to make it to where people didn't have these large payments in the spring or in the fall and stuff like that and they were able to budget and especially in this day and age with the cost of everything you need to be able to budget so that's really what we are promoting and pushing for four seasons Uh, i know your bookkeeper is probably happy for that (laughs) Well, that makes be, being able to accrue like all your clients and like look you know whatever 
Rich is, you know, 3000 a year. Joe is 4000 a year. Tom is – you know, and, and you've got that subscription. They've yeah. got that contract agreement. You know, I know that that's, that's one of the pains, you know, with, with – with our businesses, the profit and loss and the balance, it's just it's it's a roller coaster. And so what? Now we still do the one offs. We still do the full landscape installs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We still do all that. But like you said, being able to budget and know that two weeks, three weeks for one crew, two crews, three crews, four crews is booked every month. Yeah. Then our sales pressure isn't as high to have to hit certain now if we go over great but our sales pressure on our sales guys I, aka me uh isn't <laughs> isn't as high because we know that this is where we need to hit every month like you right. always have your your gross margin that you have to hit every month but we already have every month going into it knowing that we have 30 percent, 50 percent, 40 you know wherever that number is and then that's for the whole season that's for the whole year you know because obviously january february we're kind of down key for snow and stuff and we do some stormwater installation and stuff during that and stormwater management depending on the weather and the snow but now we know in order to hit those margins we we have to hit this additional 60 percent 50 percent and then anything over that we then lead to bonuses for you know whoever is doing it and bringing in leads and stuff like that but you're doing everything from weeding and mulching to full-blown you know outdoor dining or whatever outdoor spaces hard hardscape spaces with these built-in fire pits and you know landscape design all the way around it from yeah we built the bocce ball court at the in one insurance company there in town uh yes we do all of the small job to the to the most elaborate design (laughs) hardscape design you know yeah, we, we take on, we have clients, a really nice gentleman, and uh, he lives in a condo. His mulch bed behind his house is, no lie, smaller than this table, and your table is four feet by six feet. His mulch bed, I believe, is two feet by six feet. And we come out, and we maintain that for him. We just have to account for the time and labor yeah. that's involved, because obviously we have mobilization and stuff like that. And we tie it in with other jobs, so that's the other thing we do. We'll tie it in with other maintenance projects and stuff like that and you know if we're doing an install down the street you know one guy the foreman or whatever can run down and maintenance something like this in a half hour and yeah. stuff like that so we do really good on the operation side uh my office manager pam, pam. i will plug her uh her <laughs> hey pam <laughs> her communication and bringing her into the company now i think it's been six years yeah uh changed our business so originally it was sarah and i and stuff when my father passed away and stuff like that i'm not going down that rabbit hole but pam came to us and it was perfect timing for all parties involved and pam came in as our sales and operations admin so she was helping with me with all the paperwork because i was doing you know seven holding seven different hats and running a blessing she's been fantastic And Four Seasons would not be where it is today if it wasn't for bringing in Pam. And, you know, when people are deciding what best to do in a business, always start in the office. Because if you can have somebody that is able to have amazing customer service, detail-oriented, and she also has a bookkeeping background. Uh, So she is 
our bookkeeper, as well as our office manager, as well as sales and operations admin, and all, she keeps it all right. I was going to say, she's doing the social media, too, She right? is also doing the market. She's actually into her second major in business management with a minor in marketing. Wow. That she is doing, because she went to Salisbury, graduated from there, and then yes. she... <laughs> and then, <laughs> so Sarah she graduated yeah, though, Joe. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah went to Salisbury and then went to Towson. So, yeah, so Salisbury, yes, uh, Salisbury is a great college. So, anyway, so Pam, uh, originally came to us and didn't have any real bookkeeping or accounting background. She was an analyst, but didn't really know the bookkeeping side. So, she actually put herself oh, wow. through school. Uh, we reimbursed her obviously for the company, but she went in and took. Uh, bookkeeping courses and went through a bunch of accounting classes. She did not become a full accountant because that wasn't really necessary, but she went in and bettered herself and took all these college courses to have an understanding of bookkeeping. She does all of our bookkeeping and also keeps our accountants on track because she understands. So having somebody that can double check the accountants and understand what they're doing. So she did that for the first, well, like was a year and a half ago. She did that for three to two years ago. And then this past year, she just started, uh, she wanted to get into more business management yeah. understanding to help better and build the business as well as more understanding in marketing. So in the summer of 2024, she will have her second major completed in business management with a minor in That's awesome. marketing. Uh, so if anybody's trying to grow a business, start with the office and find a Pam. You can't have her. She's taken. <laughs> <laughs> well, now she can do videos for you guys. Yes. Yes. She is, uh, we're working on that. The goal is this year to get some assistance in the office yeah. and to help free her up some, uh, cause with COVID everything kind of went haywire and trying to figure everything out. So the goal is to bring in, uh, someone to help with kind of the sales and operations side that she originally started doing and allow her to focus on the marketing and business management. Take, take some of the, that weight off her shoulders. She does amazing, but yeah. yes, she needs, she needs some assistance. I mean, right now it's, and slowing down a little bit because we're in winter time. So yeah. that's our goal for looking at it spring. So if anybody is looking for a job that has sales and operations experience, we'll be looking in the spring. Wait a minute. You Hopefully you'll be busy in the winter, pushing all that snow by the inch. That doesn't require as much <laughs> sales pressure and oh. everything else. And we don't do by the inch. We do by the hour, remember? I, didn't, wasn't, I knew that. I wasn't but I'm, say, I'm saying <laughs> the more inches you get, the more hours it's going to take. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking, man. Santa Claus ain't stupid. Yeah, I got to go through that <laughs> stuff all the time. <laughs> Actually, uh, speaking of snow, because um, something you mentioned earlier, got you, don't yell at me if it pertains to SLO. <laughs> SLO. My wife is the uh, best thing that ever happened to me, and I am the luckiest guy in the world. There you go. Residential Good man. and business. Because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have the concrete walks and driveways. Mm-hmm. What is the best thing to put down? Because I keep hearing you Not salt. Right. So what's the best thing to put down? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> what you, about if it's ice? So that's very challenging. Uh, they make uh, non-corrosive salt that you can put down, like magnesium, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, but again, all of it has neg- negative effects. Okay. Uh, but do not use rock salt on concrete. It eats it and causes it to... Rock salt? That's what they call it bags of salt they call it rock salt if you go and look at the bags it'll say rock salt um do not use that on concrete it eats to finish it actually causes it to pop what about kitty litter you can use kitty litter for traction you can use uh sand uh you can use even fine uh like stone dust 
That's okay. a lot of times what they'll use tonight. Again, being aware of your runoff. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, again, in our area, unless we're really cold, even right now, so we're 31s at night, we're mm-hmm. forty mid-40s during the day. By 9 a.m., it's mostly melted. So if you can delay, true, yeah. if you can delay running that air and we talk about everybody hustle bustle stuff like that if you know it's going to ice and stuff like that most of the roads are down to wet pavement in our area on average unless we're in a polar vortex by 9 30 10 a.m oh wow so we live in a day and age in a world where some people are able to delay leaving now obviously right. in our business with the construction side and stuff i mean 6 a.m we're, we're there 6 30 at the latest stuff like you know we have to roll uh but the more that people are able to help delay and stuff like that ultimately lets the snow road crews be able to get things mm-hmm. taken care of faster two you have the ability of the sun angle to come up and melt a lot of these things and three we don't have to use as many products on our residential homes because we're able to wait those couple hours and let the ice melt and stuff like that and people uh and what what kind of rang in my mind was you know this this daylight savings time thing you know it's like people think oh well you know uh we don't want to fall back we just want to keep it you know but then kids are going to be getting on the on the bus at fucking eight o'clock in the morning it's still going to be dark yeah yeah well, actually wasn't this the last time I don't know the answer to Who that. Who knows? I, can... I thought about, hey, wait in a couple, you know, that the sun will be, you know, instead of the sun coming up at whatever, 630, it's not going to be up until 730. But you'll yeah. get the back end of it, you know. It's like nobody's going to be happy with that. You know, no. They're, they're going to be the people that thank, you know, they're thanking God that, you know, the, the um, – daylight savings change and you'll have the people that are bitching about it too and we just have to i i I completely agree with you i i understand both sides of it i i personally would rather have the sun early Mm -hmm. and setting sun early in the morning and setting earlier at night uh just because again most of our guys are done you know and want to be home yeah. with their families and stuff like that. Uh, we've we've been running four tens for a while, so that's really worked out for us. Um, and giving the guys the ability for the three day weekends and stuff like that, uh, and it leaves Friday as an open day. But even still, having the early morning where we have the sun up, we can get moving. The guys are used to that, you know, ability to be moving and and out almost at a job site by seven or seven fifteen in the morning. Uh, is is beneficial yeah for us and it also helps with the snow removal and the sun angle and the heat and stuff like that because by four thirty five o'clock guys are tired too they don't want to have to be at the shop at seven thirty, then not at a site till 8 or eight thirty, but then have to work till 6 right like people have families and kids and sports and all that other stuff so there's many different viewpoints on it uh, from our personal side, from a construction side and, and maintenance side service industry, we would rather have the sun continuously coming in at 7 a.m. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it messes me up when if I get up at, you know, five thirty six o'clock and it's still dark as I, you know, I got up way too early. But then at the same time, it will mess me up if I go to come to a meeting and the sun's still up. Yeah, or or it's never going to be yeah, perfect. No, it's not. Man. Well, and we just need to adapt. I mean, that's the oh, thing. Yeah. The only constant is change. You know, we've heard that for years, and we just need to kind of adapt ourselves. A human body can adapt and change to all kinds of situations, and we adapt yeah. to what works for us. And 
we all have different things we like and dislike. That doesn't mean that those things can't happen. We just don't like them. Yeah. And, but life's about not liking everything because if you liked everything, then how would you enjoy anything? Because it would all be the same constant. You know, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the same. It, it's a lot of psychology in my life. But, you know, you think about that as well is that people complain about different things and hardships and stuff like that and bad times if you don't have those hardships and you don't have those trying times and you don't have loss in your life then it diminishes all the good things Mm -hmm. because then everything is just the same and it's just monotone yeah and you Mm. learn from it and we don't want to live in a monotone world we want to have highs but we need the lows in order to have highs you know don't ride ride the highs too high and don't ride the lows too low prime example our daughter so God bless everybody driving on the road. Just got her license <laughs> yesterday. Uh, so Mia, our daughter, she just got her license yesterday, as a matter of fact. And she passed the test for the second time. She failed on Saturday. Uh, she was too overly confident backing in to the parking cones area. I didn't help her any. She's got a Dodge 1500 crew cab truck, so it's pretty wide. But she needs to know how to drive it. Right. And so... She backed in and hit the cone. She was completely upset. Her and Sarah were, you know, at it, you know, just upset and everything else and frustrated. She went and took it yesterday, was jumping out of the truck in joy and happiness and overly excited. Had she not had that loss and had just passed, it would have been a great feeling. Yay, I got my license. Mm -hmm. But to have that, you know, negative. Gave her extra joy. Gave her extra joy. And yeah. that's what people sometimes forget is that we need to go through some hard stuff to really enjoy yeah. the good stuff. And that's kind of what I try to put in perspective with the kids in my life because we do. We we have roller coasters in our business world and life, and you have contracts, lose contracts, gain more contracts. And, you know, you have key people, and they make a shift or a change mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And you just have to ride it out and understand it's all part of life. And exactly. That, you know, and that everybody goes through it. It's not just, oh, it's poor me. My life is terrible. Everybody's going through it. And there's also people there that you can talk to in a support system and stuff like that. So, But it's really about understanding the roller coaster ride of life and enjoying it and that's embracing why, it. That's why a lot of businesses fail. If they, well, there's they a lot that, of reason why businesses fail. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you take that, a lot of them, if they take that one failure, they give up. <sighs> I think it's more than that. Oh, it is I think it's more than that. If you have one failure that ends your business, then there was a lot that wasn't talked about. Your passion wasn't there, stuff like that. That is, there is a lot deeper understanding as to why. Look, if if you went into business and ninety percent of your income is one contract, that is. I hope not. There's people that do that. There are people in businesses that have one major source of a contract whether it be a municipality whether it be a commercial builder whether it be stuff like that uh you know there's a lot of landscape companies that are built on one or two builders wow Mm -hmm. and they're large and all it takes is for one of them to go away and your business is over yeah well that isn't just because you had one setback that leads back to understanding business and understanding how to structure your business and understanding all that so there's a lot more depth in why businesses close after one negative right or one fail 
there's many things and many and the other thing is is okay they had that setback can they restructure can you lessen some of the equipment can you touch base with a company you know like Tar Heel and see mm-hmm. what you can work out a deal with you yeah. know and and get extra work can you build those relationships that that Joe was talking about earlier and trying to connect with people and grow in multi levels of income in your business mm-hmm. and multi sources, I guess, uh, in your business to be able to more diversify how that's set up. So your business isn't dependent on one contract exactly. and stuff like that. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that if you let that one failure in your business, was it truly what you really wanted to do? I've had so yeah. many failures in four seasons. I mean, I started a Harlan company and that imploded terribly but it wasn't my passion right my passion was a landscape company and always has been it just you know i navigated my way through the world and thought that i was going to go haul cars up and down the east coast because that was going to be a bright idea but again (laughs) (laughs) again my brother did (laughs) right it wasn't my passion it was something that i got into and i thought it was cool and i had the trucks and whatever and it wasn't and so when fuel hit whatever it was seven dollars a gallon and 2010 or 11 whenever that was mm. when it was ridiculous and uh go with the flow and look i was really high strung five years ago and stressed out and all that yeah. stuff's been 10 years ago but over time you you kind of calm down and learn and, and like joe had said earlier self-health you know taking care of yourself setting time for yourself uh, you know, if you enjoy working out and doing having gym time, if you enjoy reading, having reading time, uh, you know, with me, with the kids running everywhere, I don't have a lot of that time. So I always set forth, you know, an hour a day yeah. for me to go to the gym. And, you know, I don't have to go far. It's the house. But, you know, because <laughs> we we used to do the gyms. But with the yeah. travel and the cost and the time, it was taking two and a half, three hours to go to the gym. I didn't have two and a half, three hours. So by able to put in a little gym in our basement, I can go down there at any time. Yeah. And so that is that is my time. That is my time. And then I try at least a couple times a week to sit with my wife and have coffee. Uh whether it be early in the morning, because she'll take, uh, well, Mia should start driving, but she'll take Mia to the bus early and then come back, and then she's got to take Caden down to school in Towson, and then she's home by, like, 8.15. Well, by that point, I'm done all my workout and everything else. I've gone through my emails, answered phone calls, whatever else, and got everybody coordinated, and I'll Mm -hmm. sit with her for about 15 minutes in the morning before my day really goes running. That's a good idea. I might have to start doing it in my way. 15 minutes? If she wants to. 15 minutes every – well, that depends on how often you're at the couch because earlier in the conversation you were you were digging at the couch and you put a shed in because you wanted to, you you're know, have the – Oh, no. You're telling her her, her food's crap. Oh, jeez. I didn't tell her her food's crap. Wow, she, Joe. She doesn't cook. I That's didn't cook. That's what you said wow. earlier. No, no, you man, said you my are. wife couldn't cook. <laughs> she, she, don't, she doesn't like to cook. <laughs> she doesn't like to cook. So to Joe's I've kind of, never introduced Joe to my wife. <laughs> That's what you said earlier. You said I cook Joe's, because my wife. Joe's can't one cook. of those friends. Just so you know, Joe is one of those. Hey man, didn't oh, you man. say? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> 
Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Damn, man. Chris, you got anything to add besides your website? Tell everybody the website how to get in contact with Four Seasons. It is uh, Four Seasons Landscape MD. There we go. Dot com. Dot com. There we go. Four Seasons Landscape MD dot com. Yes. All right. It's much easier. Just dial 443-390 yard. Yard nine two seven three. I take it somebody made a post about those uh, phone numbers. Yes, and the website and Facebook and everything is Four Seasons Landscape MD dot com. Our office and stuff is down in Joppa, uh, and we would be glad to hear from you. And Pam would love to talk to you. Four four three three nine zero nine two seven three. And for Joe, that is Yard. Were you, were you guys at behind the Dollar General or dollar? next to it? Next to it. Next to it. So the old Joppa detail. Yeah. Uh, the friends of friends of ours that have known me forever, Roger, he owns the property right next and builds the Ferris wheels and all that right next to the Dollar General. Oh, yeah. So that big brick building that used to be brick is now blue and gray. And okay. we run out the building there in the front. It's three bays plus an office area and stuff like that. And nice. then a really close friend of mine runs out. Am I allowed to promote? Sure. Uh, a really close friend of mine <laughs> owns uh, Window Depot. And he, uh, Window Depot, Baltimore. Mike, Mike? Mike DiPietro. He is, uh, he is part, rents out part of that building and he's got a little showroom in there and he does, uh, win- windows and doors in the area. We're and- not doing windows and doors anymore. So. <laughs> well, that's fine. I just didn't Pr- promote away. Yes. Anybody that calls us for windows and doors, we, we shoot it right to Mike. He's, he's a great guy. And that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were doing it years ago and after COVID, we, we, we just got out of windows and doors. It was just. Well, you're, I was going to say, you're you're about to be even busier, yeah. I think, with especially now with that solar part. Yeah. But Dude. no, Mike, Mike DePietro, Window Depot, Baltimore, he's, if anybody needs windows and doors in the county, he's he's a legit dude. Yeah. He's a good guy, solid guy, does good work, you know, local dude, so yeah, for sure. Mike is fantastic. He's on windows and doors at my house, and he's who I recommend, and I, I even have him running out part of my leased area, so fully support him and his business and he owned a full construction firm before that oh really remodeling and construction so it's not just putting in windows and doors he understands that if there's a structural issue Mm -hmm. and that's the extra element to that is that anything that he runs across while installing he wants he does only windows and doors but if for some reason something is a problem when installing the windows and doors he understands and knows how to repair it and fix it to make sure because a lot of times companies strictly just know how to put in windows or how to put in doors and stuff like that having somebody who owned a full construction company before moving to windows and doors is really beneficial so again window depot baltimore mike DePietro is your guy this is not sponsored by him this is sponsored by of course the guy himself Four Seasons Landscape and I was going to say nursery services. I'm still so used to that. That's the old man. one. Yeah, that's the old Four one. Four Seasons Landscape and Construction Services. Man, Chris, thanks a lot, brother. Rich, thank you, man. I appreciate it, Joe. Always a pleasure, Absolutely. buddy. Always good Absolutely. seeing you, Joe, even though you give me a hard time. And, you know. Look, he buried you. He, bar- he buried you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm used to it, man. I'm used to it. I want to thank Chris for coming on this episode. And uh, I can honestly say, I've known Chris for several years now and one of the greatest people I've ever met. And when it comes to anything with landscaping and stormwater, 
The man's a freaking walking encyclopedia. It's amazing. So instead of recommending another podcast, this time I want to recommend an episode I did a while ago. Back on July 12th of 2021, I released it. And it was with Sarah, Chris's wife. It's called, Do You Have Stormwater Issues? And if you can, check it out because I learned so much on that episode. And I'll have a link to it in the show notes. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you would like to recommend somebody for me to get on the podcast, or if there's a topic you want me to talk about, just go to conversationswithrichbennett.com, click the Be a Guest link, and fill out the form, and I'll get in contact with you, and we'll get everything set up. And while you're there, please subscribe to the podcast as well as the newsletter. And check out all my sponsors and, of course, my co-hosts. Please show your support for all of them as well. Until next time, my name is Rich Bennett. Stay safe, and thank you for joining the conversation. So I am sitting here today. I have a young lady on that is a very talented photographer, Emily Adolph. And she's got something very special, especially if you run a nonprofit. Oh, she's got something special for you. But if you just need photography in general, you want to get a hold of her. So how you doing, Emily? I'm doing good, Rich. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. Tell us what it is that you are, this special that you're running. Yeah. so Special for special people because you're special, right? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So what I'm offering is free photography services to nonprofits here in Harford County. And Mm -hmm. um, initially I was running it from now until the end of June, but what I've decided to do is extend it out. Um, So now I'm offering it from now until um, the end of August. So until August 31st, that, that, you know, weekend Um, figured, you know, it's a, it's a busy time of year season for Mm -hmm. nonprofits having events in the summertime. Um, But yeah, really just want to support, help nonprofits capture, you know, moments and, and the, um, experiences of the events that they're hosting without having to, you know, worry about funding the photographer. Right. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about, you know, what I'm, I'm giving back to the community. Which is great because a lot of your nonprofits don't take photos of their events yeah. and they should be on their websites. I agree. You I know, agree. even for upcoming events, you know, it's nice if you had the photos from last year to, to ask, Hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is how good it is. Yeah. And also, but you also do other types of photography in case somebody wants to hire you, right? I do. Yeah, I do portraits, families, event, you know, other events, musicians, bands. Those are my my key focuses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how does somebody hire you? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, they would just go to my website. So it's www.emilyadolf.com. So that's E M I L Y A D O L P H dot com. Well, first of all, thank you for doing that because that's awesome. And especially now, a lot of your nonprofits are struggling because you're just like all of us, inflation's hitting them hard. Yep. You know, and you have, you know, some venues around that shut down. So some of them are struggling to find a place. And here you are reaching out to help. And for those of you that don't know about Emily, this is Emily just loves to help people out. Yeah, I do. So. Help her out as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hire her for your photography. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Rich.